This episode is sponsored by Interactive Brokers, and I want to tell you about Interactive Brokers' simple IBKR global trader app, which makes investing in stocks and options easy. Invest in stocks and options worldwide and access cryptocurrencies all on a single unified platform. And you could use fractional shares to invest in the stocks you want, regardless of the price, and put even small cash amounts to work. You can scan the globe for undervalued stocks and identify new investment opportunities by comparing global stocks in the same currency. Plus, make deposits in up to 27 different currencies and automatically convert into the currency you need. And the best part? Enjoy zero commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs with no inactivity fees or account minimums. Put the world in the palm of your hand. Start investing today at ibkr.com slash global trader. That's ibkr.com slash global trader. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. The all-important jobs report just released on Friday. Treasury yields go parabolic, political upheaval, and a new shutdown countdown. And our guest today is Dr. Richard Smith, a.k.a. the Doctor of Uncertainty. All this and much more on episode number 837 of the Discipline Investor Podcast. October 2023, and here we are already seeing some uh, issues in the markets and breakdowns of different things due to the fact that, well, things are so good. <laughs> That's really what's going on. Hey, I'm Andrew Horowitz. I'm the host of the Discipline Investor Podcast. I'm also uh, President Chief Investment Officer over at Horowitz & Company, my firm. I'm the founder. And if you're looking to uh, figure out what's going on with your portfolio, why it's not acting like it maybe you wanted to, not that it should be, but the way you want it to, hey, come on over. We'll check it out. I'll be happy to do a one-on-one -on -one meeting. As a matter of fact, um, October is usually the time that we do something like this. I haven't really announced anything yet, but if you want to get in there, go over to thedisciplineinvestor.com, click on the contact button, and uh, and uh, put put your contact in, and we'll, we'll get in touch with you about looking at your portfolio and doing a quick review. Um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of things going on, right? You know, we saw a lot of really good jobs reports from the JOLTS report, the initial claims still holding down right at about 200, 208,000. And we saw the jobs report on Friday. One of the things that we talked about at the office throughout the week was, hey, how important is this jobs report going to be? And I said, you know, I think it's going to be pretty important because there's a lot of pent-up demand looking at concerns over how Bonds have reacted recently to all this data and to the information that is being provided by the Fed. And what we saw was this parabolic move, not only in, in the short-term rates, but in the long-term rates, really ticking up pretty substantially over the last week or so. We added a position of the long bond saying that this was unsustainable. And then, wham, on Friday, the numbers come out, you know, 300,000 range plus for the unemployment uh, number where new 
additions to the payrolls, yet unemployment rates stayed at 3.8%. We saw that there was really no change in the wage gain level. Markets got pissed off. Or I should say that at least when they looked at it at first, they said this is a lot hotter and is probably going to cause the Fed to come in and stay higher for longer. Now, I'll share with you, we also saw some good numbers in the JOLTS report. We also saw that you know, manufacturing is starting to pick up again, new orders picking up, prices paid were picking up a little bit. We saw that around the world, like in South Korea, the fourth month of another increased trend for inflation numbers is happening. And we're starting to see that the ebbing of inflation on a global basis that we had for some time is starting to maybe change. And as I expected, because we're doing um, some some changing up what the year over years are, et cetera, it may start to show up a little bit more concerning. However, I will share with you that we're still not seeing anything really, I would say, crazy at this point. Yes, there is still a good number of small businesses in particular that are hiring and adding employees. And that has been the biggest component of the jobs increase recently. And with that in mind, and why that's so important to understand is that really small businesses are the core of America, right? Of the United States economy. What happens is the small businesses are some of the biggest, really the component of hiring. And they're feeling good. Now there was some soft spots that we're seeing, right? There's some concern about retail. Of course, this whole shenanigans with the, uh, GLP-1 and agonists and the Ozempic and the Wagovi and the diet drugs that are now being blamed for everything from, uh, you know, the concern about restaurants and bars to the food sold in Walmart and to how that's going to slow down. I even said, you know, it's probably the, the reason why oil fell. People aren't going out to eat. They're not driving. And, you know, it's because the diet drugs. It's getting ridiculous as a new excuse. But put that on the side for now. In terms of the portfolios right now, I mean, we saw some over sold readings last week, got resolved a bit, came into this week, started to see some dripping again. Really what we're seeing is the 200-day moving average for the S&P 500 is, is a very hard technical level to be broken right now. It's on the rise slightly. So that's going to hold up relatively well. But what we're seeing right now is the fact that when we look at analysts and we look at the, the experts out there that are talking, and we're going to Bring this up with Dr. Richard Smith in a second when we get to him. But we look at what is being talked about and professed and thought about and, 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 and advised on. It's really very confusing to the average person, I think. I think what's really going on is a disservice, a terrible disservice, because we're getting this daily wind of to and fro and back and forth and yes and no and bull and bear. And I think this is all very confusing. I bet you're in the same thing. Because now we have the doomsayers that are out there. We have the uber bulls, the ultra, ultra bulls, the perma bulls. We have the perma bears and the ultra bears. And we have all this going on. They're trying to sell you something. And most of these advisors out there and these newsletter guys and all, they're just trying to sell their wares. They're not really looking at you and saying, hey, what, what do you need to do? And hold your hand through it and, and give you um, you know, some real solid advice, which is right now, is it time to panic? It's time to make sure that your portfolio is squared up. That's what it's important to do. It's not just, hey, I've heard this from advisors, right? We're just watching markets right now. Well, I don't even know what that means. We're watching what? 
The fact is that it is time to make some important changes if you're not aligned to what is the apparent outlook for what's going on right now. And that's very simple. The very simple discussion is that we have a higher rate regime in place right now. The long bonds that were out there for a time, okay, it may be a trade, but right now is, you know, you got to be careful. We got whacked pretty good on those recently. There should be an opportunity that is developing. But you know what? There's alternatives like certain positioning right now where you want your commodities to be, your dollar-denominated, non-dollar-denominated. And it's important to understand that a lot of these people just talk about the same thing. I can't tell you how many times I talk, I, I listen to conversations from major uh, players that are on uh, on various shows, and they talk about the same thing. That Well, the stock's down 32%, but I still like it. I mean, they, they never not like it. They always like it. Doesn't matter what happens, they're gonna hold it. So what's the point of us listening to what they're saying about that particular security? There's some EM guys, right? All they want to do is talk about EM. They're never gonna be out of EM because that's not what they do. Their job is to be in EM. The cross currents, the confusion right now, I apologize for the industry to you. As the industry as a whole, I apologize to you that there is so much of this blabbering that's going on that causes such confusion. And that's what we aim to try to break through here and get to the bottom line. So we're going to talk about some of this because I think there's a lot to be brought to. And I think that that, that when I when I bring on Dr. Smith, which we're going to get to uh, in, in, in 10 seconds, um, there's some really, I think, key things that he teaches and that he brings up that we all need to listen to very closely. So don't speed through this. Don't cut off in the middle. Let's listen and bring them on and, and kind of uh, turn those gauges and open up the mic right now. And our guest today is Richard Smith, Doctor of Uncertainty. We'll talk about that in a second, but I want to give you a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of insight in who he is because he studied mathematics at UC Berkeley, earned his PhD in system sciences from the Watson School of Engineering at SUNY Binghamton, kind of my uh, area, that's uh, State University of New York, under the late Professor George Clear. And... Um, he uh, was also chairman of the board of CEO Foundation for the Study of Cycles, an international nonprofit that promotes and conducts research of cycles and how they can be used to make the world a better place. Um, there's a few other things I want to talk about. He's, he talks about risk. He talks about this. I want to say he's he's listened to this whole thing, by the way. We're going to introduce him in a second. But we all, I also want to talk, Richard, about your upcoming book. So last you were on, sir, in May of two, 2023. And we talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect, where people think they're a lot smarter than they really are. And I think, yeah, <laughs> you remember that conversation? And that's connected to the doctor of uncertainty theme. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, welcome. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Andrew. All right. Let's talk about doctor of uncertainty. Um, I, don't you think maybe like something like doctor of chaos, something a little shorter, a little bit of, you know, the it's a long word, the uncertainty. Most people, especially with the Dunning-Kruger effect, think they can, but they probably can't even spell it. How many syllables is it? Uncertainty. It's like four syllables. Oh. The branding might be a little problematic there. Yeah. So we'll just call it D-O-U. That's the other day. I was actually surprised when I realized that people took it as kind of like chaos and doom and gloom. Right. Um, That's, I can you know, see that. Because I, because I actually think of it as a positive thing. I'm helping people to embrace uncertainty, recognize uncertainty, work with uncertainty and not be, um, you know, kind of blindsided and manipulated by uncertainty. And so I always thought of it as kind of a positive uplifting thing. 
Right. I but, mean, it's like the know, same shows thing. It like, shows you how, what I know. Yeah. It's like you're trying to, you're, you're the doctor of uncertainty, fixing the uncertainty, the paramet, well, paramedic of problems. You know what I'm fixing, Andrew? The main thing I'm fixing is false certainties. Tell me about that. We are so obsessed and our world is so structured around the marketing of false certainties. False certainties. Okay. Yes. So Keep believing that something's going to happen that we really have no idea if it's going to happen oh. or not. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody, everybody sells their expertise based on their ability to be certain. And the more certain somebody is, you know, the more power. That's like, yeah, that's like these these as I call them the schmuckalucks on on CNBC and all that. Um, where you look at politics, yeah, right? Well, well, politics too. Yeah, everybody's like this. If this happens, this it's can happen. called being a con man, a confidence man, yeah. right? Yeah. That you're giving people confidence. So because we're living in this kind of completely narrative based world, because we're all just online now, right? So I don't really believe the world is narrative-based exclusively, but we are living mostly in a narrative-based world. Markets are now a narrative-based um, phenomena. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in that space of narrative where uncertainty is uncomfortable, people are overpaying for false certainty. So as the doctor of uncertainty, ah. I want to help people get back to recognizing authentic uncertainty and not overpaying for false certainty. So there's, there's interesting because there was a discussion last night that I watched, I think it was on, or maybe like, I think I recorded because I want to see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It was on Bloomberg. It was a special interview. I don't even know who the people were to be honest with you, but I was fascinated. They mm -hmm. were talking about um, AI and the, and, and the evolution of AI and how that could impact the, the as you say, the narratives, the, the, the pathways yeah. to how we think yeah. about things because the presentation factor is always very interesting. They brought up a variety of different things that show up on social media. Like for example, when there was a, a false picture circulating on social media about the Pentagon being hit by a missile and the market dropped some, you know, two, 3%, whatever it was in a minute. And then they realized it was, it was fake. And there was another one with a Pope with a, with a goose down jacket on. Um, but the, the, the topic, the discussion, which was so fascinating, was how over the last number of years, how we've gone from listening to, let's call it experts or maybe not even experts, but people that have expertise. How's that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's a little different than experts, right? Um, yeah. That, that talk about a topic and you take it and you listen and you make some uh, your own thoughts about it and, and you can make a decision and, and, and to what we have now where the people that want to hit the other side just say it's fake and it blows out all the, um, you know, the, the importance of, and then the weight of that, of that conversation yeah. or of that theory. And, and let me just finish with this point. And what they said was, what's interesting now, most of us just live in our own little bubble of what we believe and nothing else penetrates anymore except for what we want to keeping us on the same level of belief. Yeah, that's absolutely and true. And when it comes and to investing, kind of let me tell you one more thing, because I want you to answer this point. I'm sorry, I, I'm rambling here. Go for but, it. But there, there is a, a, a listener of mine who every once in a while hits me with uh, something, but, he, but he's always talking about the bad stuff, right? And, I, and, I, and I'm like, have you ever stopped to think that maybe there's another side to this? That maybe the markets are up, they're going to go higher, not just lower? 
of the markets are going lower, they may go higher, not just lower from there. In other words, so focused in on only the markets are rigged, it's not a good thing, that never made an investment at all because he's so one-sided. You follow my what I'm saying here? Absolutely. And, and um, I think that this is happening more and more because it's become uh, a business model. It's a business model to get people uh, kind of into a corner, mm -hmm. right? To get us all into a corner, mm -hmm. get us all, um, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about histograms before, mm -hmm. right, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, you know, histograms, there's the nice bell curve shape, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That um, is the so-called normal distribution. Yep. It's kind of what we expect, right? The average height, um, you know, is five foot 10. And then you got kind of equal numbers at five foot nine and five foot 11 and five foot eight and six feet. And it kind of goes down into the tails and you don't have that many people that are, you know, four and a half feet tall and uh, seven and a half feet tall. Right. Well, uh, the, the, the business model <laughs> of our narrative-based world today is to pretend, get everybody to imagine that they're four and a half feet tall and seven and a half feet tall. You know why? Because when we're in these corners, when we're in these fat tails, these ends of the histogram, we are uh, a lot more subject to these um, chemical-based reactions inside of us, these dopamine drips. You know, we're because everything is a heightened uh, kind of intense experience. And that keeps us glued to the narratives. And so it keeps that start, us though? more when did, easily when manipulated. When did the adrenaline junkie, which is what you're telling me, right? Yeah. The yeah. When did the adrenaline start to be uh, a drug of preferred use? It's been being, it's been, it's been developing over the past, you know, 50, even a hundred years. It started with propaganda and advertising but now it's just morphed into, um, you know, what is called surveillance capitalism is one word for it by Shoshana Zuboff. And it's really become with, with the advent of the internet, social media, even, you know, Google, et cetera. It's become a business model to keep us captive within certain ecosystems. Mm. And it's highly profitable. It's good for politicians. Um, doesn't matter if they get anything done, but if they control the votes, if they control the money, if they control the narrative, uh, and it's, you know, Andrew, I think in many ways it was pioneered in markets. Well, and, clearly, clearly, uh, and that's, that's the ultimate confidence game, right? The old, old it idea. Absolutely is. And nothing's really working anymore <laughs> yeah. because everything is basically in Ken Griffin's hands in Citadel. Citadel Securities. Yeah, right know, down the road from you There's now. kind of this, and those people, let's get back to AI for a minute. You know, they've been using AI uh, for a long time now, generative AI, right? These kind of large language models, but they're using them on massive models of the market. That's why they pay Robinhood to get the order flow um, because they're creating a massive model of the markets but it's just a model. It's, you know, but the model has become the reality now and we're just trading on models. Well, it's, okay? it's been turned, it's The computers right? trading right. with each other. Right. It's, 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 what has happened is it was gathering of information to provide insights to yeah. let's right. push 
and then we can know what the outcome of that push will be to get the insights, which will be one big wraparound and create yeah. a, a a momentum trade yeah. that is I, ongoing. I was listening to Bloomberg this morning, you know, and yeah. the 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 uh, um, you know the analysts, right, or the the uh, anchors, an- right, yeah. the anchors who uh-huh. are on the shows, they're like the 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 narrative flip flops this year have been nuts. Yeah. Like, when is this going to stop? Okay. But it's not going to stop because those narrative flip-flops look, I mean, two weeks ago I watched, you know, uh, a so-called journalist asked Jerome Powell at the FOMC meeting. Do you think that soft landing is our base case now? Everybody was so convinced like, Oh, we're going to get the soft landing. This is a miracle, right? Right. And then two weeks later, everybody's flipping out because, you know, long-term rates have gone up above 5%. And, no, it's pretty, it's uh, pretty and, amazing. and a recession is is uh, imminent, right? So two weeks ago, there was no recession on the horizon. And now two weeks later, all anybody can talk about is a recession. So what does this do? It creates this constant, you know, tipping backward and forth, you know, side to side of the boat. and and the the slower money, you know, I hesitate to use the word dumb money, but um, the uh, let's just say the less connected amongst us get to, you know, <laughs> all leaning in one direction. And then well. Citadel and others get to come in and take the other side of that bet. And then gradually, you know, the boat starts to tip the other way and they take their profits. So the, the problem is also there's just so much now. What I mean by that is we've so much debt, right? The yeah. more, you know, people are so invested. Um, yeah. money has exploded exponentially the dollar, right? So now yeah. it's not like, ah, down 50 bucks. No, no. You know, the numbers are much larger now in raw numbers. Yeah. And, and it, it is a real issue. Yeah, and, and, and that is, is, is a concerning factor. I want to talk about the, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you counsel the idea of, um, dealing with uncertainty from an investor standpoint, right? Because we know that there are cycles. Well, I want to talk about, so I want to, I want to talk about cycles and then how do you <laughs> deal with that as an investor? Before we do that, mm-hmm. I just want to mention um, a quick, taking a quick break here, just for a second here. Um, I want to talk about interactive brokers because interactive brokers clients can earn up to 4.88% on their uninvested, instantly available USD cash balances. In fact, you got to ask yourself, listeners, listen, How much can your broker actually pay you? Interactive Brokers' prudent and conservative risk management uniquely positions IBKR to pay you for higher interest, much higher interest. That's just one of the many reasons clients use Interactive Brokers to trade stocks and options, futures, currencies, bonds, funds, and more. Of course, we know rates are subject to change. Visit IBKR.com slash interest rates to learn more. All right. Doctor of uncertainty, paramedic of problem solving, um, the 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 nurse of nonsense. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good, Andrew. Thanks. Uh, I'll be I'll be here all week. Okay. Okay. So, well, let's talk about this. So so cycles. Talk to me about cycles, and then weave in weave in the the conversation about how, as an investor, I deal with that. With uncertainty. With cycles. The stock market cycles. You know, you, you get cycles that are going on. And the I guess it's uncertainty too, right? Uncertainty with cycles. And then how do we deal with it as, as an investor? Does that make well, sense? 
Yeah. So cycles do exist in the markets. They've been well documented for, you know, going back a hundred years or more. Uh, one of the strongest cycles in the markets is the 40 month cycle. And um, that's bottoming about right now and probably peaking in, uh, in 2025. And doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of volatility between now and then, but this has been a prominent feature in the markets, you know, for quite a while. Another cycle that we're in the midst of right now is the vol the, the annual volatility cycle. Yeah, it's uh, the first week of October, and volatility almost always peaks in October for whatever reason. We all collectively start to freak out in the you know starting in August and peaking in early October, which is right about now. And I mean, the freak out is, is pretty pronounced right now yeah. in the media. Um, but it's so predictable. And this cycle happens every year. And then what happens after that is markets tend to go up from, you know, mid-October to the first week of January. Yeah, that was something we've been talking and about, And that's right? about as sure yeah. a thing as there is in the markets that mm -hmm. they will go up between, you know, the end of October, middle of October and the first week of January. It's something like over 90% of the time over the last hundred years. What's also interesting right? is those cycles, these, that particular cycle that you're talking about right now is a quickie. Right. Yeah. You know, right. You know, you can't, it's, it's very difficult to make wholesale changes in a portfolio between, you know, August 20th, let's just pick a date, August 20th and October 3rd or whatever the yep. date is. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and I mean, then also trading out. And, and, and the likelihood of being wrong and then getting busted out, right. Is, is yeah. very high. And it, it's almost like, you know, trying to avoid every single pothole on the street will make you swerve into another car eventually. So Absolutely. Just, just and, and, and moreover, you know, the biggest problem that we have in the markets is that we don't um, know how to position size, <laughs> right? And so, you know, we will, uh, this goes back to false, you know, false certainties, right? So, you know, you think, oh, right now there's going to be a, you know, uh, a crash in the, in the, in the NASDAQ, let's just say, mm -hmm. you know, that's on my mind lately, right? right? We're heading into the week of Black Monday. Yeah. And um, uh, so you start to feel that and then you start to like put on a bigger bet, right? And, uh, and then you don't really, um, you, you get on too big of a bet. And this is just one scenario, Andrew. I know it doesn't relate to all your customers, all your listeners, but it's the principle of the thing and it works on any time scale, right? Mm -hmm. So basically we can get overcommitted to a bet, right? And then we don't give enough wiggle room, enough volatility, right? For that to, to work out, to go against us by a certain amount before maybe it turns in our favor eventually. So we get taken out almost every time because we haven't planned for enough uncertainty. We haven't planned for enough volatility. There's a difference between being right and making money, right? Oh. And most of the time we want to be right so bad right. Uh, that we end up not making money. Right. And that's, you know, that's the rub. And I think that's the main thing that, uh, you know, markets are kind of preying upon is, uh, you know, our tendency to want to be right and to not 
you know, to kind of take more risk when we're wrong because we want to be proven right, but then not taking the same amount of risk when we're right because we want to take our profits. <laughs> I want to, I want to expand this. This is a really, I think there's a really key point when it comes to investing it's the for key people. point it is, is the, the idea, the question, very simple question. You asked the question. I'm going to ask it again. Would you be rather be right or be rich? Right. Yeah. That th- right. now, by the way, most people would rather be right. <laughs> of course, <laughs> according to, uh, um, you know, human behavior. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, this is the same, by the way, this Funny, is, isn't it? This is the same question, but a derivation of, do you want to be right? Or you want to stay married? <laughs> you know, it's the same, yeah, right. Same, yep. <laughs> same theory. Right. I love, there's a meme out there of a guy sleeping out on the driveway with his dog. Right. You know, and I, I was right. Relaxing after winning an argument <laughs> yeah, with my wife. I was right. My suitcase <laughs> is right here. So that's, let, let's think about that. Cause I think people could visualize that, right? Yeah. People that are in relationships know that there's that time and, and, and when you just get so heated that you're not giving in, right? I'm not giving in, but think about it for a second. After you're married for a while, like I am almost 30 years, you're like, okay, you know what? I don't, I don't need to argue this point unless it's something really key, right? Unless it's something really important. It involves the kids. It involves something that's really, really, but those, the smaller points, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. know, we're going to have chicken or steak tonight, right? I don't want right. a chicken. You know, I have a whole tantrum because I've had it for four days in a row. I'm having steak and my wife keeps on pushing, but you know what? Your cholesterol or whatever's going on. Right. Um, so, you know what? <laughs> but sometimes it just makes sense in life to just go along with what's happening and don't mm-hmm. fight it. And I could tell you so many people that I know that fight it and come and, and they don't understand why they're miserable all the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I don't understand. Yeah. Why is it? Why am I, I'm, I, I, you know, why, why aren't things working out for me? I'm like, well, because you just will not comply. You will not <laughs> comply. I like the way you put it. Right. Being right. You want to be right or you want to be rich. Yeah, that's all. And that's a, that's a, uh, that's, that's catchy. I think so, people can relate to that. So let, we could do a meme on that. Let's do a meme. We could, we can, you know, get, get a bunch of hundreds. <laughs> yep. Right. We'll get a bunch of hundreds and we'll just kind of be, be, be sipping on a pina colada somewhere. And you know what? Uh, we could say that, you know, my thinking was wrong, but my actions were right. So there yeah. you go on that. Right. Um, there's, I, want, I've been, I read a good book recently called Best Loser Wins. Oh. It's a book I wish I had written myself. What is it? Is it uh, the author is uh, Tom Howgard, I think. Mm-hmm. Best and loser uh, it was published by Harrington, mm-hmm. Harriman House. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, he says, when I put on a bet, I do all the research, you know, look, I want to be right. But when I put on a bet, I flip my mind to assume that I'm wrong. Oh. Until I'm proven right. Mm. I just flip a switch in my mind and I say, okay, I'm putting, I'm, I'm taking this bet. Now my new assumption is that I'm wrong. <laughs> That's interesting. And uh, it's like, until the bet proves me right. Huh. And then, you and go, oh, I think that's, that's, that's it hard. is interesting. It's hard. You know? It's hard though. Oh, Andrew, it's the hardest thing in the world. Oh, Another friend of mine, you know, 50 year market veteran written 50 books. He's like, you know, I, when I get into a trade, and I've gotten to break even, and I know I'm not going to lose money on it. I turn it over to, um, you know, my broker, because I know that I won't be able to tolerate the profits. Oh, that's interesting. 
And that's 50 years in the markets. That's, you know, that's, 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 that's wisdom. Right. 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 I got a book right here, Trading Risk uh, by Ken Grant. It's one of my favorite books. And he says, um, you know, take more risk when you're up and less when you are down. The children of Israel didn't receive this commandment from Moses on the mountaintop, but I'm pretty sure that it was in the first draft of the tablets. <laughs> you know, it's got away with words, but, uh, but it's absolutely true. You know, and he says, and if there's one thing that I could, you know, pass on to the world, it's that, you know, take more risk when you're up and less when you're down, but we don't do that. You know, we take more risk when we're down. Right. We add on to positions, right? We a lot of people do that. They're like, oh, we're, we're down, averaging down. It's like, oh, really? Something. It's incredible, you know, and there's, there's a thousand fish in the sea, but if one fish gets away from you, you become focused on that fish and you miss the other thousand fish in the sea. Yeah. Right. And you'll hold on to it until, um, you know, I remember one, one of my, uh, um, customers telling me, Oh yeah, I'm going to give that stock to my grandkids because I know it's going to be profitable eventually. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I I've lost a, unthinkable amount of money on it, but my grandkids are going to make money on it. I mean, and this guy was a NASA, um, you know, uh, uh, safety analyst. That's scary. Okay? That's scary. It is scary, right? <laughs> Our, we are so <laughs> delusional in markets. Yeah. Don't worry. This, 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 this don't aircraft worry. may crash, but the third one that we're going to launch <laughs> is going to be really good. Right. So that's the, that's the boat that we're in, you know, you know it. And, um, well, what, what is, is, and it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, to, for my friend, a 50 year market veteran to tell me that he actually has to turn it over somebody to somebody else. Cause right. he still can't manage it 50 years later because of the emotions. Right. It's like, that's saying something. Yeah. This is powerful, powerful stuff. Well, it's interesting. And I, I, now I, I, I think that, that the have short, short term memories, don't they? That's the point, right? Yes. People have inability to remember certain things and certain rules, especially, listen, it's very yeah. difficult to think clearly if somebody's kicking you in the gut. And we think we're smarter than every, we're above average. Back you know? to Dunning-Kruger again. Back to Dunning-Kruger. It's the focus of everything. <laughs> By the way, I, want, I don't want to forget about this, so I'm going to just cut right to this. Tell me about the book that's coming out. I've been working on this book for a while. It's called The Risk Manifesto, and it gets back to the doctor of uncertainty. And my thesis, Andrew, that because we live in this narrative, well, let me even add another multi-syllable word here, oh. computationally narrative oh, world. Okay, so this is, this is the world of generative <laughs> AI, right? right? It's all computer-based narrative. And so we create these narrative swings in the world because it's good for advertising dollars. It's good for politicians. It's good for market makers, right? Uh -huh. And so the whole world, this whole world has become a kind of computer driven narrative risk world. That's the world that we're living in today. And the only thing that really works in this world is risk management, right? That's what the, the people, the institutions that have the computing power that are consistently making, uh, that are consistently profitable, <laughs> you yeah. know, yep. it's because they're taking the other sides of these constant swings, right? These constant mood swings. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so that is what we um, individual independent investors need to learn to do too, because that's literally the way that the world works. So I can, you know, hold out Ken Griffin as somewhat of a bad guy. <laughs> Did you see the movie Dumb Money by chance? I have not. I, I, I can't <clears throat> stand watching it. Was, it was, it wasn't really, it yeah. was, it was disappointing. Um, but, uh, but in many ways, Ken Griffin is doing the logical thing, right? In many ways, you could look at him as, as a, uh, as a hero, as a, as a, as a smart person, <laughs> you know, cause he knows how the world's work works and he's taking it. He's, he's, He's acting on what he sees and everybody else just continues to give him easy money. So, you know, is that a villain or is that a hero? <laughs> uh, well, if he's, he's a hero to his family, to some of the right. markets and what he's created and some of the things that make it so easy to trade um, without any commissions because of the payment for order flow that comes through from some of these companies. I'm not exactly sure. It, 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 it's almost like, you know, if you think about holding a handgun, the higher commissions in a way, was the safety. Absolutely. Now the safety is off. We should start a new brokerage firm that charges $100 per trade Yeah, to uh, stop people, you know. From making wrong decisions. From over-trading. Yeah, exactly. Um, We know that, we talked about this last time too, the main reasons that most individuals fail. We know it's based on emotions. We know it's based on, um, you know, listening to bad information. I mean, listen, the CNBC's, the Bloomberg's, Bloomberg's different a little bit, but Fox Business, it's all entertainment. I watch it. it. People ask me, I had had a guy, um, my friend, uh, Scott, um, uh, Investors Business Daily, uh, who was founded by, um, oh gosh, name is skipping me here. William. Yeah, Scott was his uh, son. Uh, Oh, okay. He died. Bill, Bill, uh, William O'Neill. Scott O'Neill. Bill O'Neill. Um, yeah. Yep. Scott O'Neill. He's, he's been on the show many times. We talked about things and, um, you know, we talked about uh, uh, the the way that, that he invests and what they utilize as their core principles. And, and one of the things we talked about one time offline, I was with him somewhere. We're having dinner. We're doing something. And we were talking about how uh, the various media, right? And, and I said, yeah, I, I watch the NBC here. And he goes, Why? I said, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Some information to get there, but you yeah. know, do you usually utilize any? I'm like, no, I don't utilize the information. But it, you know, he says, but what? Well, why are you watching this then? Right. The stuff they're talking about is just unuseful, and it twists your head. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm I'm yeah. I'm thinking through this. I'm going through this. Uh, most time, I'll have on a Bloomberg when I'm, but that's boring. That's the difference. CNBC I, is the biggest. You know, the biggest um, myth that we have in our world today, right? Is that we're in control and we can understand things and we can sort things out and we can, we can, you know, uh, we can figure out cause and effect. Yeah. No, that's going back to the false certainties. That's why well, we're such suckers for false certainties, right? Cause we want to believe that, that, uh, you know, things are under control and we can understand and it's not that complicated but and, false certainties you know. are also generated from false profits. Yes. P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. Yes, exactly. Not profits <laughs> and money, false profits as in the know-it-alls, right? Or they call yes. them the schmuckalucks. You know, yeah. for, for years we've been talking, every time you turn on the TV, it's like, you know, is the Fed going to raise interest rates? Like, how many people are you going to ask the same question to and get the same answer? 
And why do we, as, uh, as Scott O'Neill asks, why do we keep I, tuning in I maybe I'm gonna tune out. <laughs> to find out, right? Yep. Um, you had mentioned that uh, we talked about AI for a minute here. And uh, when, when we talked uh, pre-show and, and kind of came up with some ideas what to talk about, you talked about um, Masayoshi-san, who is a world-recognized investor. I think he's one of the Tiger Cub breakoffs, right? Wasn't he? Well, he's he's SoftBank. SoftBank now, yeah. Japan. Right. He just brought NVIDIA to uh, to the public markets. No, AMD. No, no, not AMD. Uh, just no, NVIDIA. Back. No, he bought NVIDIA or a big stake in NVIDIA and he brought uh, NVIDIA, not, oh, not NVIDIA. Sorry. Not ARM. 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 I'm like, I'm like, not wanna, AMD, but I not I want to argue with arm. you because I want to stay married, but you know what? I don't think this is right. Yeah. Arm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Arm holdings. Yeah. So, so he, uh, and uh, yeah, so he got up and talked about AI, right. Mm -hmm. And said, um, if you don't use AI, you're going to become like an ape. Like a, like a gorilla, like McGilla like gorilla. gorilla. Yeah. Or you're going to be like a goldfish in a bowl. Which is looking out at everybody else. Intellectual yeah. capabilities of people using AI. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is absolutely um, delusional. If it gets to the point that he's saying, we're all going to be goldfish in bowls anyway. If, 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 if AI takes it's not over- not true, Andrew. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not I'm, true. No, what I'm saying is if we all use AI, if in other words, everybody uses AI and doesn't do anything for themselves, we're not we're going to be watching the world around us, aren't we? If that happens, is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm turning it upside down. Maybe I'm not making myself clear. <laughs> Try it one more time. If AI does in fact take over, which it won't, by the way, it won't. It won't. But it, yeah. If we allow our minds to wither away, right? Because it's atrophy because of lack of use, right? It's a muscle. Yeah. Right? You got you yeah. to yeah. use it. Well, you know, that, that, then it does go down a, a, a hole. But the point is, um, I don't, but that doesn't mean that we all have to use AI. So, so AI is not like, think about, think about the term artificial intelligence. Okay. Um. Let's just, uh, let's now think about an artificial flower. Uh -huh. Okay, got it. Does anybody want, does anybody believe that artificial flowers are superior to real flowers? Do you believe that, Andrew? No, artificial sweeteners I like. <laughs> I don't think those are so great either, They're but, not, yeah. okay, uh, but let's just right. stick to the artificial flower thing Correct. for a minute. Correct. You know, artificial Correct. flowers don't die, Andrew. You don't have to water them. Correct. Um, you know, do you want to give your wife a bouquet of artificial roses <laughs> next Valentine's Day? That's not a good idea. Give her real roses. Not a good idea. Right? So artificial intelligence is to real intelligence, just as artificial flowers are to real flowers. And yet we have these people like Masayoshi-san going out there saying that artificial intelligence is superior to human intelligence. And it's just not true. And if we buy that thesis and we stop exercising our own intelligence, as you, you know, pointed out, it's going to be the end of learning and it's going to be the end of artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence is just um, collecting and reproducing uh, the collective intelligence of mankind. It's a regurgitation. Point. It's a regurgitation and it's prone to 
you know, hallucination, which is a technical term in yeah. the artificial intelligence space. Yeah. So this is so delusional. He's talking his own book because he wants to sell ARM processors to compete with NVIDIA and get some of their market cap. But this is a narrative that's out there. It's a false certainty, right? From a false profit. From a false profit. And so people really, you know, look, artificial generative AI, chat GPT, it is astonishing. And it, you know, I use it. I do. Yeah, no, it's But great. I don't make the mistake to think that this is a superior form of intelligence. It's not, it's, you know, it's as intelligent uh, it it is to intelligence as artificial flowers are to real flowers. Okay, so if you think that you know real flowers should go away and uh, real human intelligence should go away, you know, um, yeah. all right, nope. okay. uh, nobody wants to be treated that way. Nobody believes that's really how the world works, and yet our you know our 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 cultural and our economic models are all premised on this idea that somehow artificial is better than real. My, my two cents on uh, Mashiosasan is that he was a really respected and, and, and really interesting fellow until he, 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 about two years ago, worked on that gamma squeeze with a large cap tech and mm -hmm. almost busted himself because he was no way out. And the yeah. fact that it's almost a sovereign wealth fund of Japan mm -hmm. um, and, and balls to the walls under any circumstance and he's done very well with that is yeah. it's, it's a Kathy Woods lookalike in my opinion. And mm -hmm. uh, he's lost a lot of respect for me over the years. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, buying WeWork? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah. That was uh, actually, they just missed a, WeWork just missed a, um, a, a payment, uh, yeah. their, their, their payment the, this month or they're delaying it. So, um, but yeah, crazy. All right. Let's talk about, let's finish this up and talk about um, one couple of other points you know, there's investors out there that are over all ages, of course, right? And most of the ones that I would say are in, let's just call it the early 40s. Okay. Have never probably seen a cycle of increasing interest rates for an extended period of time and how that could impact their investments. And I think that's a lot of the thinking that's going on because if you live a life, for example, that... Um, you, 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 I don't know, pick whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You live in, you live in an Island. You only eat fish. Okay. You don't even have, okay. you don't even have the ability to imagine what a steak would taste like or what a steak is. It just, it just doesn't exist. Right. You find, <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a non-existent premise. Yep. So the don't know what you don't know, the unconscious, conscious that are walking around right now, believing that the markets are functioning in a way due to this is normal, which it, not that it was abnormal, but it isn't the full story. Yeah. That is something that may be potentially yeah, kicking in right uh, now. Absolutely. And uh, I think Ray Dalio has talked about it um, as well as anyone about the big debt cycles, right? He has a book out called Big Debt Cycles. And, um, his, and he has, I think, pretty compellingly shown how, you know, we've gotten deeper and deeper into debt, right. As a nation, yeah. um, those, that debt has been increasing debt has been facilitated 
by the ability to refinance, essentially, right? Think about having a mortgage that started out at 20% and then, you know, hey, rates went down to 15% and you could refinance and you felt richer because, you know, your monthly payment went down, right? And then uh, then you could refinance at 10% and then you could refinance at 8% and 5% and what it ended up at like two and a half percent you could refinance for, right? So that, and all along, you feel richer because you your debt payments are less. Right. But that went on um, for 40 years, right? I think interest rates peaked back in the 80s, maybe 1980 or so. Mm-hmm. And they've been going down for 40 years. So we've been refinancing, you know, individually and as a nation for uh, decades. I remember was I was talking about that today. low, you know, by the Federal Reserve trying buying bonds and uh, doing quantitative easing, et cetera. They'll never get out of this, by the way. Mark my word, you will never, ever be able no. to get out of this. And what's happened, and this is one of the things that I really uh, appreciated from Dalio as he talks about uh, monetary policy three, MP3, okay? What <laughs> so, is that? How's that going? Uh, well, MP1 is when, uh, you know, you start to play around with interest rates, okay? So you can play around with the interest rates, you can lower the rates, and you can get some juice out of that. Eventually, MP1 starts working, uh, stops working, sorry, and then you need to go to MP2. So MP2 is when the Federal Reserve starts to buy uh, the the debt, and um, uh and then they, you know, give it to the banks, right? So that happened in the in the financial crisis, mm-hmm. and that got us through that crisis. But now, if you try to give it to the banks, it doesn't get through to the people. So now you gotta um, basically give money to the government, buy their bonds that they can print, and then the government gives it directly to the private sector, to people through stimulus checks, to businesses, et cetera, through you know, infrastructure building, et cetera. So that's called MP3. Right, which you, you, you're when, talking about you know, UBI. You're talking about UBI's, universal basic income. Well, uh, that's where it, that's, that would be the next step, okay? But that, I mean, w- what we saw in the pandemic was kind of close to that, right? It was the government just bonus, giving That was the bonus money. checks. Those were bonus checks. <laughs> well, those were <laughs> stimulus checks, yeah, yeah, so-called, yeah. Right? right? But it was, it was something like a UBI in that it was free money from the government. hmm and, uh, but that is because, you know, rates don't work anymore. Uh, giving money to the banks doesn't work anymore. Now you got to give it directly to the people. Okay. But that you can't keep doing that forever. We saw what happened with the money supply, right? It, it jumped off the charts and it's coming back down now. So that's not tenable. So what's next? You know, uh, next is there, buying, there stocks dire- next. buying stocks directly in the market like <laughs> Japan does. That, yeah, that's got to well, be somewhere right. in this in this in this in this uh, process. So all of this is just to say that we are in the midst of a massive debt bubble. Uh, it is the sea change that is happening. That is a generational thing. And you're right; most forty and under investors have no sense of it. Like I'm, you know, I'm mid fifties, and I hardly have a sense of it. I can see it coming because of the cycles. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know that interest rates are headed higher for, you know, probably a couple of decades at this point. But 
Um, it's still a very hard thing to adjust to when, as you said, it's like you've been eating fish your whole life and you don't even know that steak exists. The only thing I'm going to take the other side of that for a second um, uh, mm -hmm. of the interest rate discussion. Okay. I, I would tend to agree that interest rates are going to be more elevated than they have been in the past uh, uh, 10 years, let's just say, just as a time period. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I, I have a, uh, I have real question as to the as to how high interest rates can actually go due to the fact that the equilibrium point of um, how much our government can actually spend on debt payments is 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 a problem, right? It just can't the sustainability of something's gonna have to break and 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 they're not gonna want that to break. So either you're gonna have to pay yeah. more taxes, which by the way, nobody wants to do. You're going to have to have less and, services. And can't do. Can't do. Right? <laughs> you want lower services, which you can't. The budget right now is 75% is pretty much services, um, you, know, re, you know, Social Security payments, Medicare payments, things of that nature, right? General services and, 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 and pass-throughs. Um, and then on top of it, some defense budget. And there's only uh, so, so much of the budget you can actually work with, right, on a, on a regular basis. So the continuation of having to keep an elevated amount of, of debt on the books and pay the interest rate as it is, which maybe the interest rate can be utilized to roll over and buy more debt, I guess. I don't know. But it's it, the, there's real problems with the fundamental business of our country with the excessive amount of debt they have, no equity, excessive amount of debt, yeah. although they have the ability to print money. And, and I just think that the rest of the world, the equilibrium point also is it, it just the amount of debt we all have due to financial crisis after this crisis, after Y2K, after tech crisis, bubbles, after um, COVID, et cetera. Uh, and you got to think about that. COVID was only, what, you know, let's call it a year of absolute, like, on payment, right? One year mm -hmm. max. And mm -hmm. and the world fell apart. It's like being out of a job yeah. for one year. Is your entire life, you're going to be kicked to the street and be done? Everything's out of whack. So yeah. I, I just don't, I don't know how much I higher it can rates be. Are, well, the rates are going to go higher, but inflation is going to go higher. And uh, the only way out of um, of being massively in debt <laughs> is mm -hmm. to inflate the currency. And uh, so that's what's coming because it's the only way out to uh, of this massive debt bubble. That we're in. It's massive. So no question about that. Are you certain? Is this a, a real certainty or a full certainty though? This, this uh, is pretty close to a certainty. Ah, there you go. There we go. Well, we have the doctor of uncertainty. Talk to me about certainties, by the way, Richard Smith. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where can people find out more information about you? DrRichardSmith.com and cycles.org. Is a doctor spelled out or is it DR? drrichardsmith.com. drrichardsmith.com. Okay. Very good. I appreciate Great you. Great talking with you, Andrew. You're the best. Thanks so much. Stay safe out there. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Discipline Investor Podcast. I think some great insights as always, but really some of the key takeaways about false certainties and 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 from, from false profits, right? And, the, and, and some of the things that are going on with regard to surveillance capitalism and adrenaline being the new drug of choice, very important things that you can really hopefully put into your own, not only investing schema, right, but your your daily routine. The idea that you can have uh, knowledge 
when you're listening to understand where things are coming from and also understand what is maybe the things that are appropriate to be listening to and what things maybe are, you know, garbage, crap. It's hard to discern that and to differentiate sometimes. But the truth is that you know, not because you're always on this side or on that side, but look at what the party that is talking to you about whatever it is that they're preaching, where they have been and where they're going. Do, are they always bullish, always bearish? Are they always neutral? Are they always, I don't know, whatever it may be. They always want to talk about the same thing and not change up. Uh, that's maybe something you should listen to with a quarter ear, not a full ear. And only one side of your head versus the other. So wrapping it up this week. Thanks again for joining me. I'll see you as always next week. Go over to the disciplineinvestor.com. Also, as they say, you know, uh, smack that like button. What do they say? I don't even know what they say. Smack the life like button. Uh, pop that, uh, you know, the, the, the review and make sure to send it to your friends so that they know they can get some good quality advice that, uh, you know, stays away from the, the garbage. Thank, you know, we, we get to the core. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll see you again next week. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.